Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. He is so good. Oh, I still got my notes from last week sitting here. Don't need those. Jesus. Wow. So, Ken, when you said it's the 44th week, I looked at Joy because she's been seeing uh, 1044, which is uh, Acts 1044. As they were speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who was who was listening. And I looked at Joy and said, oh, it's 44. And then I said, oh, and it's the 10th month, too, of the year. So we're actually, not coincidence, I don't think now, we're actually uh, going to be uh, in the park tonight, and we want to go and talk to some people about Jesus, and some people are going to get saved tonight. So, yeah, I just believe that. I feel fire on that. Woo! I feel fire on that. God is good. Yeah, he is so good, and it's impossible for you to imagine him better than he is. Just think about that for a second. It's impossible, like as hard as you could try, it's impossible for you to imagine him better than he actually is. He is that good. I want to do something really quick before we jump in today. Um, could you put up the super phone slide? One, one of the things uh, that we realized, especially in the past couple years, is the best way to reach you guys is not through social media. It's actually, uh, we've actually had some issues where we got posts blocked and we were trying to get information out and we couldn't get it out to you. And um, yeah, so I won't say any more about that. <laughs> but we realized that's actually when we started up Superphone. We, let, we knew we need a way to be able to get information to people quickly. And so, yes, we use this to, to uh, keep you updated with important events. But we really have this so that when we need to get a hold of people, like for for something that's urgent, we can actually directly contact people. And you really can't do that with social media. And so... If you haven't um, text that number, I know a lot of you are on this, but if you haven't, um, pull out your phone, text that number, just say hi. You'll get an a automated response back, and fill that out. I think it's name and email. We made it as simple as possible. We just wanted to get you into our Superphone list so that when we need to contact you, we can. So just text that number. If you can't see it, it's kind of small. You know, 602-560-8761. Amen. You getting some responses? Awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Karen Butler, your birthday today. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Uh, she's an amazing uh, leader in our church, and we love you so much. And I just want you to know how much I love and appreciate you, and I just bless you today. I just pray that you have just the most amazing birthday and week this week. So bless you. We love you. Okay, I have a few funny things, so just get your laughers out. And just begin to warm them up. Yep, I hear ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. <laughs> ho, 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 ho. Ha, ha. <laughs> it works. I do it. I do it practice during the week. I just start to warm it up. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Jesus, thank you, Lord. All right. Congrats to me. I just made my last mortgage payment. 
I still owe 262000 but I'm just not going to pay it anymore. <laughs> See how that works out. <laughs> okay, so Ken Bach can be either uh, thanked or blamed for this next one. He gave me this next one. I, <laughs> I had my patience tested this week. I am negative. <laughs> All right. I, now, this one, this encapsulates my corny sense of humor, okay? So this, this is like, I really laughed hard at this one. So my, my girlfriend broke up with me when she found out that I only had nine toes. She is lactose intolerant. <laughs> Lactose intolerant. That I laughed so hard at that. She is lactose intolerant. It reminds me of another joke. Uh, what do you call somebody who gets angry when they don't have any bread? Lactose intolerant. <laughs> it's kind of the same joke. Okay, so I have, I have more. <laughs> real. These are real life signs. So these are actual, actual signs, real signs. Touching wires causes instant death. $200 fine. <laughs> they might have, might have a problem collecting on that. Here's another one. Toilet out of order. Please use floor below. I, th I think I know what they mean. <laughs> it could have been worded better. <laughs> Unattended children will be given an espresso and a free puppy. <laughs> okay, this one was on a repair shop. We can repair anything. Please knock hard on the door. The bell doesn't work. <laughs> and then I got one more. This is outside of a second-hand shop. We exchange anything, bicycles, washing machines, etc. Why not bring your wife along and get a wonderful bargain? I'll just take a drink to that one. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, just hold your hands out in front of you. Whew, I just prophesy the glory of the Lord coming after you. God, thank you for the glory. God wants to take us deeper into the glory. We just release the presence of the Holy Spirit throughout this place. We just thank you for the glory. We just yield to your glory this morning, yield to your presence. Yeah, come and do whatever you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to start in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So if you want to go there, if you have your Bibles or if you have your U version or digital versions, you can pull out your iPhones. 1 Samuel 16, we're going to read verses 6, 7, and 8. And I want to give you the context. Did you realize that after David was prophesied over by the prophet Samuel, that he would be the next king of Israel. Do you realize that it was anywhere between 15 and 20 years before he actually became king? 
So I want to encourage you this morning to hold on to the word that's been spoken over you, those things that maybe haven't happened yet and they don't maybe they maybe don't even seem real anymore in the natural. But I want you to hold on to what God has spoken. He hasn't forgotten about what he has spoken. And I want to tell you that when Samuel anointed David to be the next king of Israel, how many know that he, from that moment, God saw him as the king of Israel? The formality that happened 15, 20 years later, that was just the fulfillment of what God already had done and how God already saw him. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that what God says you are is who you are, even if you haven't experienced it yet. It's interesting, Joy had people uh, stand up if you, if you want to write books. I remember when Wendy Backlin was here, she said, if God says you're an author, you're an author, even if you never write a book in your entire life. What God says about you, who he says you are, that's who you are. So if you haven't seen it in the natural, hold on to it because God still has spoken it over you and it will come to pass. Amen? That's for somebody. So let's read. Uh, the context is Samuel's on his way to anoint the next king of Israel. He doesn't know who it's going to be. He just knows where he's supposed to go. So it says, when he, Samuel entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is standing before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God does not see as man sees, since man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want to tell you this morning, feel like God spoke this to me this week. God is not, or God is looking at your heart. He's looking at your heart. He's not looking at your brain. Hello? <laughs> God is looking at your heart. Let me say that again. God is looking at your heart. He's not looking at your brain. <laughs> Some of us are very thankful for that. God's not looking for someone that has perfect theology. God's not looking for someone who knows enough. He's looking for someone with the right heart. This is what drew him to David. It said David had a heart after God. And David was the runt of the litter. He was the least experienced in life. But he had the heart that God was looking for. We know the story that Samuel went through every one of the sons and God said, no, 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 no. Until they got to David and he said, this is, this is the one that I've anointed to be the next king of Israel. Because God was looking at his heart. So God looks at your heart. He's not looking at what you know. You're not disqualified by what you know or don't know. You're not disqualified if you don't have perfect theology. God looks at the heart. I believe that God will promote someone with the right heart and imperfect theology way over someone who has the right theology, but they don't have the right heart. And I've seen that. I've seen that. I believe that someone that has maybe perfect theology, but they don't have the right heart can do far more damage than someone that has the right heart with maybe, maybe they're a little off in some areas. Is it important to have good theology? Yes. 
Absolutely. But God's looking at the heart. He's not looking to see if we know enough or if we've got it all figured out. Amen? Our pursuit of God is not an intellectual one. It's a supernatural one. Our pursuit of God is not an intellectual one. It's a supernatural one. How many know that your mind can't receive everything that God wants to do, but your spirit can? <laughs> Thank you, Tina. Tina said. <laughs> Oftentimes, the mind can get in the way of what God wants to do. But a lot of times, if we can listen to what our spirit is, is hearing, our spirit will be, like, excited, but our mind be like, might be saying, like, wait, that's scary. Jesus has a large crowd of people following him. And he turns around and says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. A guy looks at his wife and says, this is getting weird. Everybody leaves. Everybody leaves except for the disciples. Why didn't the disciples leave? They were just as confused as everybody else. They, they said, Jesus, this is a hard saying. In other words, we don't understand what this means. Why did they stay? There's something in their spirit. They're like, you, you have the words of eternal life. I, I don't get this. My brain doesn't get this. But my spirit says, where else can I go? I'm drawn to you. You have the words of eternal life. Their spirit could get something and receive something and knew something that their brain didn't know yet. Our pursuit of God is a spiritual one. It's not an intellectual one. When we do a fire tunnel, this is like, this is like the pursuit of God is just trying to encounter him in a spiritual way. Amen? How many have ever heard of uh, Dr. Cho from Korea? Yeah, a few of you. So some of you, if you don't know who he is, as far as I know, led the largest church that there's ever been on, on the earth. And he's a uh, South Korean pastor. And he had a church. He's actually with the Lord now. But before he died and left this earth, his church was over a million people in, in South Korea. South Korea actually became a Christian nation because of this man. Like, they were formerly more dominated with, like, like Buddhism. And they became a Christian nation because of Dr. Cho. Million Man Church. To put it in perspective, our largest church in the United States is Joel Osteen's church. And there's, he runs around 50,000 people. Dr. Cho had a church that was 20 times the size of that. Million-person church, single-handedly, uh, the population of South Korea is 50 million. This is 5%, or no, sorry, 2%. 2% of the population attended his church. So we were, we were listening to his story this week, and he has an amazing testimony. He said, I used to have five, I started with five people. I just preached to five people. And he said, one day, I said, Lord, if you just give me 300 people, I'd be, I'd be satisfied. I'll be happy. And the Lord said, I want you to start believing for 3,000 people. And he said, okay, I can, I can 
grab onto that. So he said, I started preaching. I started carrying myself like I was a pastor of like 3,000. And he said, I'd preach like I was a pastor of 3,000. He said, literally, the lady in the front row is like plugging her ears. And she's like, there's only five of us here. You don't have to yell. And he says, no, I'm preaching to 3,000. And they laughed at him. And a few years go by, and he has 3,000 people in his church. And he's like, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm satisfied. I, I'm, I got everything I, now, God. I've got like... The church that I always dreamed I could have, I have, like, good family. He's like, I'm satisfied. And the Lord said, I want you to start praying for 6,000 members. And he's like, okay. So he starts to pray for that, and they go to 6,000. They go to 10,000, and then he's like, oh, okay, 10,000. He's like, God, I'm satisfied. And the Lord says, I want you to start praying for 50,000. <laughs> and he, that's what he starts to protest. He's like, Lord, I can't, I can barely handle 10,000. How could, how could I pray for 50,000? I can't do that, Lord. Do you, you remember I'm a high school dropout, right? I, I, don't, I can't do this. I'm not smart enough to do this. And it's funny, the, one of the things the Lord said to him was, he goes, you don't calculate. And that's why I actually, I'm going to keep promoting you because you don't, your brain doesn't get in the way and say, Lord, I can't do this. You just say yes. And so he's like, okay, well, my brain, everything in my brain says I can't do this, but my spirit says yes. And so he says, okay, Lord, I'm going to start to pray for 50,000 people. And the Lord just kept promoting him and promoting him. But his spirit knew something that his brain didn't know. His brain would be like, no, I can't handle that. But, but my, for some reason, my spirit says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So your spirit can take you places that your mind can't. Your mind is actually supposed to be led by your spirit. We have a lot of value for the intellect and for our mind, but if your mind is in charge, if your mind is leading, there's going to be so many things and places that God can't take you or so many things that you can't receive that God wants to do in your life. So I want to ask you this morning, what is God saying to you that your mind can't comprehend but your spirit can? Maybe your mind isn't there yet, but your spirit is yearning for it. One of the things Dr. Cho said is, he said, when you get vision, pray until it turns into faith. He said, often I would not have faith for these, this visions, these visions that God would give me. And he said, I would just, but I would say yes, and I would just pray. And he said, one day the faith would come. He'd be like, oh, now I have faith to pray for 50,000 or to believe for 50,000. So where am I going? I feel like there's people here who are waiting to step in what God has for them because maybe they feel like they don't know enough yet. And God is saying, I'm not looking at what you know. I'm looking at your heart. Don't let what you know or don't know disqualify you from what God is calling you into. If your spirit is burning with something, but your mind is saying, we don't know enough, we haven't done enough, God says, I'm not looking at your brain. I'm looking at your heart. Also, don't let what you've done or haven't done disqualify you from what God has for you. You might say, I haven't done enough, so who am I to do something from the Lord? Or I, I have issues in my life. I need to get these things figured out before I can do what God has for me. Do you realize that that's backwards? There's a, there's a story I heard from a, a pastor, and he said the Lord spoke to him one day and said, do you know why I made you a pastor? And he said, no, no, Lord, why would you make me a pastor? He said, I made you a pastor to heal you. 
And I relate to that a lot because in this journey of being called and feeling unqualified and stepping into it, I've seen, and my wife could probably say the same thing, we've seen an acceleration of healing in our life. Because it's as you step into the thing that God's asked you to do, feeling unqualified, feeling like you don't, don't know enough, as you step into that thing is when God will actually begin to partner with you and bring the kingdom into your life like never before. He'll bring everything that you need, including the healing that you've been desiring in your life. Amen? So I want to encourage you to step into whatever it is that your spirit has agreed with, but maybe your brain has stopped it. So we're not ready yet. We don't know enough yet. We have this issue in our life that we need to get over yet first. And God says, let your spirit lead because he's looking at the heart and, he's, and he wants you to let your spirit lead. Amen. Don't wait until you have everything figured out to be used of the Lord. Time is short. Step into what he's asked you to do. So I feel like that is the access road or, or the on-ramp to the main subject today. The title of the message today is this, Created for His Glory. Created for His Glory. Now, I think you might hear that, and you might think it means something different than what it means, and we're going to go back to that in a minute. But you're created for his glory. What God wants to do through you is going to happen through the glory, through his presence, and not by what you know. What God wants to do through you is going to happen through his glory, through his presence, and not by what you know. Don't be limited by what you know to determine what you can do for God. He's looking for someone who says yes. He's not looking for the, tr you know, if you read the Bible, God, he's kind of famous for promoting the person in the room that's not the smartest, that's not the most qualified on paper. He's looking at the heart, and he's looking for someone that says, yes, Lord, I'll do it. You are created for his glory. Our job is to surrender to him and to his presence and become marked by his glory. So what is the glory of God? The glory of God is the manifested presence of God. And there are different dimensions of the glory. There's, there's like his peace can be like when he shows up in glory, you could experience it as peace. Like I felt that this morning in worship. I'm like, God is, God is in the room. I feel his presence. I feel his glory. By the way, they did an amazing job in worship today. All you guys, that was awesome. One realm of of the glory is his love. His glory can show up in, in the form of, like, love. And you'll just encounter, like Craig was talking about today, just like, oh, I was encountering this, like, deep love of the Father, like I was being held. The glory can be 
his presence. It can be the presence of joy. When, we, when you see people laughing up here, it's they're encountering the joy of the Lord. By the way, heaven is filled with joy. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. So when the kingdom of heaven invades earth, there's going to be joy. Don't be offended when people begin to laugh in the presence of God. There's going to be a lot of that in heaven. And if we're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, there's going to be a lot of it on earth. We're experiencing this joy. I love this story. We have friends from, uh, they've, they've been here a couple times, from Germany, Winfred and Lydia. And he was a pastor in Germany in the 90s, and uh, that's, this is when the Toronto Revival, which really kind of birthed Bethel Church, was the Toronto Revival, or, or inspired Bethel Church, I should say. And he was sent from his church to Germany to go investigate, go see what's going on. And so he went to this, the Toronto Revival, and he was, like, so offended. He's like, this is like, he, calls it, he called it God's petting zoo. He's like, this is like a zoo, and he's like, this guy's roaring like a lion over here. He was like offended, and he was like, this is, I don't feel like this is God. And, and he'd flown all the way there from Germany, and his wife had come there after him. And so by the time she got there, um, he was in the hotel with her that night that she arrived, and he was like, this is a zoo. I don't think it's God, and he was super offended. And, um, he, and she was like, well, you know, I've flown all the way here. We might as well go one more time. So they go back, same thing. He's like, this is, this is nuts. This is a zoo. I don't want any part of this. And the thing that offended him the most was they brought a guy up that was an older gentleman that was in a wheelchair, and they, they brought him up to the front. And the pastor that was praying for him began to laugh hysterically as he's praying for him. And he laughed so hard that he fell over in this man's wheelchair. And he was laying on his lap, laying on his lap with his head on the ground, laughing his head off, laughing hysterically. And he's like, I was so offended. I was like, this poor guy, just pray for him. He needs healing. He doesn't need you to like act like an, an idiot and just sit there and laugh and like lay on him and laugh. And he was like so offended. And they, no, I actually messed up the story. That happened, that happened before his wife came. That happened the last night, and he was telling his wife, like, all the craziness. And she's like, we might as well go back one more night. So they go back the last night, and he sees the guy in the wheelchair walking around. And he goes and talks to him, what happened? He says, when, when the, he was laughing over me, he's like, the glory of God was just filling me, and it was healing every part of my body that needed healing. And this guy got out of the wheelchair, and he's like walking around. So when, when people are laughing, if it's God, it's the glory is actually surrounding them. The glory is actually surrounding them. He's doing like a deep work in their heart. Yeah, ha. <laughs> One of the definitions of God's glory is weight. The weight of his glory. The Bible talks about the weight of his glory. Oftentimes, I have my hands out. I can feel like, I'll feel like a weight. It happened today in worship. I was like, it's like, I didn't know what to do with it at first. It happened 30 years ago. And I was like, something's happening. I don't know what it is, but maybe I should pray for people. And I feel like 
throughout the journey, the Lord just started showing me, it's like, you can pray for people if you want, but it's just you're experiencing my presence. Like, it's a tangible thing. Like, glory actually has weight to it. And oftentimes, in a, when we would do a street evangelism, we would have people hold out their hands. We would just say, like, hey, why don't you, why don't you do this with us? Just hold out your hands. And they would, they would, most of them would do it. And uh, we would just say, Holy Spirit, come. And it was so incredible. Almost every single time, I would instantly feel weight in my hands. I'd feel God's glory. And I'm telling you, like, almost every single person, there was maybe a few that said they didn't feel anything and they were lying. But no. <laughs> Some of them probably were. Um, and some of them maybe didn't really feel anything, but honestly, like, not, I, I don't, I never want to exaggerate when it comes to testimonies. Over 75% of people would encounter something. They would feel something. And many of them, because we would ask them, what are you feeling right now? What are you experiencing? Many of them with no Christian grid whatsoever would say the word weight. Said, what are you feeling right now? I feel weight. I feel like a weight in my hands. Some of them would say, I feel warmth. Or like, I feel peace, or I feel love. And it was interesting. It was just a tool that we would use because so many people in evangelism want to argue with you. And we, didn't, we, had, we had no interest in arguing with people. We're like, they need to encounter God. And then the argument's over. It's like, so when they would encounter God, then we'd begin to share. And they'd be like, what you just felt was the presence of God. And we'd begin to share and lead them to the Lord. George and Banov talks about his encounter with God where uh, it was, he said it was almost too intense. And this is, if you remember George and he came to our church one day and he had an encounter when he was just newly saved, like within a couple years. And he had this encounter with the glory of God where he was, he was in this place where he was like, feeling like God was like, I know this sounds crazy, but it's like, he, like God was shooting these lightning bolts at him. And when they would hit him, it would like fill him with God's love. But he's like, it was so intense that it was almost too much. He's like, and, and, he, and he kept like getting more and he would shoot more and it would just hit him and it would just fill him with God's love. And he said it was so intense after a while, he like ran outside because he felt like he was literally on fire. And it, he said, stop. And, it, and as soon as he said, stop, it instantly stopped. And he said, I learned that day, never say stop. Always more, Lord. <laughs> more, Lord. But he's like, it was so intense, but I wouldn't say that it was comfortable. It was like, it was so much, so much love, so powerful. So there's dimensions of God's glory. And I think some dimensions are not necessarily comfortable, but something is happening. God is doing something. I experienced God's glory in a love encounter in my car. This was years and years ago. I was driving uh, down the 51 freeway, and it was kind of out of nowhere. I was listening to worship music, and the presence, God's glory came over the car, and it was God's presence of love. And it came in, and I just began to weep and weep and weep. And it was like I had, like, this amazing revelation in this moment that the things that I worry about in the presence of God were like nothing. Like not that they weren't real problems, but that measured towards like against the glory, it was like, wow, these are so small. Like it was just so held, like what Craig was and Annabella were talking about, so held by his love, you're like, wow, like I'm going to be okay. 
And I just wept like a baby. I was on a way to a meeting, and I couldn't even hide it. So I just told the guy when I showed up, I just said, I just had an encounter with God, and it's, just, it's love. And I'm just crying. And he's like, oh, okay, man. <laughs> Bill Johnson, for years, uh, before Bethel became Bethel that we know today in the late 90s, he went through a series of months where he just prayed. He, this prayer that was heavy on his heart, that he would pray just constantly was, God, more of you at any cost. God, more of you at any cost. More of you. You have to, you have, to have a trust in the goodness of God to pray that prayer. Because you know that God only wants to give you good things. And he began to pray, more of you, God. He said, I became obsessed with it. That's the word he used. I became obsessed. God, I have to have more of you. I'll pay any price. More of you at any cost. And he prayed this. He said that it was like day and night. He prayed it. He'd wake up in the middle of the night praying, God, more of you at any cost. And finally, one night, he had an encounter with the glory of God. Came into his room. As he woke up, the presence of God was all over him. And he said, I couldn't move my body. He said, it was radical glory of God. He said, but it was not comfortable. He said, it was glorious, but it was not comfortable. And he said, the Lord starts showing him people laughing at him, people making fun of him, people saying that he was a heretic, people leaving the church. And he said, if, if I'm going to answer your prayer, you have to know the cost. And he said, Lord, if I get more of you in the exchange, I'll pay that price. And he, he had that encounter with God for several nights where God would come into his room. He said he couldn't move, but God's glory was all over him. And that actually was the beginning of what we now know as Bethel that's touched the whole world. After that happened, they actually lost half the church. The church was at 2,000 members. They went down to 1,000 members. And there's so many crazy stories that I've heard from people who were, who were there at that time. One of the crazy stories is um, from Stephen De Silva. He was their, their uh, chief financial officer at the time, their CFO. And he went to Bill and said, Bill, I got $40,000 in bills I can't pay. And Bill said, take $5,000 and go give it to the church down the street. He goes, Bill. I have $40,000 in bills I can't pay. Yeah, I heard you. Take $5,000 and go give it to the church down the street. Imagine having that, having that encounter with God and half the church leaves. Joy had an encounter with God. This was a few years ago. I was thinking, I was trying to remember the year. I think it was 2018. We were having a prayer meeting. Levi Hug was here. And she just got radically touched by God, and she was on the floor just shaking. And I think that was started around 10 o'clock at night. So we're all just still praying. Like 11 o'clock, she's still shaking. Midnight, she's still on the floor shaking. 1 o'clock, shaking. I'm like, uh, I got to go home to the kids. But I don't want to stop whatever God is doing. And I knew it was a good thing. I knew it was God was doing something. And so I think we just left you there, right? We came back and got you. <laughs> we just left her there, and then we came back the next day, and we, that was actually Saturday night, and she was up here leading worship the next day, and she was shaking the whole time in worship. And she was just like, 
okay, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to say stop because of what people might think of what's happening. So more, Lord. In the glory, it satisfies a hunger that nothing else can come close to satisfying. When I experienced that love encounter, there's nothing that I'd ever experienced in my life before or since that was that powerful and tangible in how loved I felt. It satisfies something that nothing else can satisfy. It touches a place that nothing else can touch. That's why we want these encounters. We want to say, more, Lord, more of your glory, more of your goodness. Let my mind get out of the way because I want to receive more from you for what you want to do in these encounters and these glory realms. You were created for glory. You were created for this. So sometimes you can hear that we were created for glory, and what you hear is, I was created to work, and it's going to be for God's glory. But I want to tell you this morning what it means to be created for God's glory is you were created to house God's glory. You were created to encounter him. You were created for his joy to experience it. You were created for his peace, for his presence, for, for all the things that happens when his kingdom pours out. That's why you're here. It's not this works thing. I was created to work hard, to make sure I'm a good boy, so that God gets glory. No, you were created for glory, period, to receive it, to encounter it, to embrace it. To, to go after it, like Bill, God, more, more of you at any cost. He's like, I just got to this point where I'm like, God, I have to have more. But another story that happened after that, a thousand people leave the church, and they're having a meeting, and just during the preaching, nobody was praying for people. Uh, a deaf lady got up and said, like, I can hear. She was born deaf. She got up, and she's like, I can hear. Somebody else in the same meeting was in a wheelchair, and the guy got up. He's like, I'm healed. He like starts walking down the aisle, and he's like, this is, this is what he'd been praying for. Like, God, I need to have more. Like, I need to see you show up. More, Lord. We need more. We need more of his presence. We don't need, <laughs> I got to be careful how I say this. I'll just, I'll say it in a non-offensive way. Our, our highest priority has to be more of his glory, more of his presence, more of his goodness. Theology is important. We want great theology, but it's not the highest priority. Him, God, more of you, more of you at any cost. We have to experience more of your love, more of your goodness, more of your glory, more of your presence, whatever it looks like. And we need to get our mind out of the way because so often our mind will stop what God wants to do because we, we don't want to be seen as a certain way or, or, or in a certain way or we don't want to be embarrassed. or We got to get to the point where we just like lay aside that stuff. I'm like, God, more. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if I have to lay up here and shake on the ground and pray like that or preach like that the whole time. Heidi Baker's done it. So you're just laying the ground shaking and just preach from the ground. Jesus. The Bible says all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory. So why did Jesus die? Well, one of the reasons 
was to restore us back into the glory. What did Adam and Eve have? They walked with God and experienced his presence and his glory directly, nothing in between them and God. Why did Jesus die? To restore the glory that was lost in the garden back to us. Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. And Adam and Jesus, it's interesting, they have some things in common. One thing that Adam and Jesus had in common is that neither one of them had an earthly biological father. They're the only two men ever that didn't have an earthly biological father. The first Adam started as flesh, and God breathed a spirit into him. The last Adam started as a spirit, and the spirit became flesh. When Adam disobeyed God in the garden by eating the fruit, and in essence, he was saying, God, not what you want, not your will, my will be done. Jesus, also in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. He was undoing what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. And he was doing all of this. Jesus came as the last Adam. Paul calls him the last Adam because there's not going to be a third Adam. He's the last Adam. And what he did restored back to us the communion that Adam and Eve had with God in the garden, that closeness, that oneness that we experience with nothing in between. The curse that came from the first Adam was temporary. In the scope of eternity, it was just a blip on the radar. And the blessing that comes from the last Adam, Jesus Christ, is permanent throughout eternity. So I want to tell you this morning, you have a legal right to enter into the glory realm because of the last Adam. You have a legal right to access the presence of God. You don't have to be afraid of it like I haven't done enough. You have a legal right to enter into the glory realm. The first Adam lost the right to be in the glory realm with God, but the last Adam, Jesus, restored us back into the glory. God wants you to experience more of his presence. He wants you to be marked by his presence, by his glory. I love what Lauren said in worship, and we did not compare notes, but you can accomplish so much more in the glory than you can through the hustle. You were created for his glory, created to receive it, created to experience it, and created to live in it. Moses was before the presence of the Lord, and God said, take off your shoes, for you're standing on holy ground. Now, I don't believe that God said this because he was offended by Moses' dirty shoes. Like, this is holy. Those dirty shoes can't touch this holiness. I don't think that's why he said it. God wants you to experience more of his glory with nothing in between you and him. He wasn't saying, Moses, get your dirty shoes off. 
He was saying, Moses, take off your shoes because you're coming into holy ground, and I want to encounter you with nothing in between. I want you to put your bare foot on my holiness. Nothing in between. God is calling you into a deeper encounter with him. We need to get hungry for it. I heard Bill say, I'm trying to, I'm paraphrasing, I'm trying to remember exactly how he said it, but he said, like, we can have a lack of revival or breakthrough in our church because we're not hungry for more. We just become satisfied with where we're at. There's something about a hunger for more of God, like, God, I got to have more. God, I, I got to see more people healed. God, I got to see more people saved. God, I, I want to carry your glory in a way that just when I walk into a restaurant, people encounter you and they, they come running to Jesus. We got to get hungry. If we want to see revival, we actually have to long for it and not be content with, with where we're at of like, well, this is good enough. God told Moses to remove his shoes because he wanted to, to Moses to connect directly to his glory with nothing in between him and God. There's, there's also presence. I want to talk about testimonies for a second. There's presence and glory released in testimonies. Have you ever heard a testimony and you got goosebumps? What, what happened? Somebody told a testimony, and there was a release of glory. That's why evangelists have figured this out, or at least the good ones. That's why they share their testimony, because they, they know God shows up, and they know there's a release and testimony. Like, like I've heard Chris Kildosher share his testimony so many times, and he loves to, like, go evangelize. Um, oh, what's that guy's name? Todd, Todd White. I've heard him share his testimony so many times because as he does, there's a release of presence. There's a release. There's a, a measure of glory released as he shares his testimony. So testimonies are meant to be meditated on. They're meant to be chewed on because they release God's glory. There's glory in the testimony. I want to tell you this morning, some of you need to hear this. There's glory in your testimony, and you need to share it more often. Because when you do, glory is released to the hearer. If you want to start experiencing more of God's glory, start meditating on testimonies. Go over to the testimony wall and start reading those. There's glory on that wall right there. As you read testimonies, you can encounter the same thing that happened in their life. You can begin to encounter it. In the glory realm, the things that we're worried about become smaller, and he gets bigger. I love this quote by Bill Johnson. The breakthrough for many people begins the moment they stop being impressed with the size of their problem. Let me say it again. The breakthrough for many people begins the moment they stop being impressed with the size of their problem. This happens in the glory realm. Our problems seem to just automatically get smaller as he gets bigger. That's why we love his presence. That's why we start with worship. We're just coming into this place of just encountering his presence, and it sets the expectation for the whole meeting. We begin to expect more. 
In the glory, we enter into rest. It's funny. This is in my notes. Where's Lauren? Is she teaching something this morning? This is in my notes. In the glory, we enter rest, and so much more is accomplished from a place of rest than from a place of striving. (laughs) In the glory, you come face to face with why you're alive. In my love encounter with God, one of the revelations that I had was that I was created to receive love. Like I was born, made for this, to receive love. The glory causes us to become knitted together. John 17, says this, The glory which you have given me, I have also given to them, so that this is Jesus speaking, the glory that they have, you've given me, Father, I've also given to them, so that they may be one just as we are one. There's something about the glory that just makes everything fit together perfectly. It makes communities actually mesh together and, and become one and alive and vibrant. It's the glory that knits us together. So this is an invitation this morning for more. Second Corinthians 3.18 says this, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. This is talking about directly approaching God and entering into his glory. Why do we have the right to do this? We have a legal right to enter into the glory realm because of the last Adam who restored what was lost by the first Adam. So now it says, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Would you stand to your feet this morning? You were created for his glory. And I want to encourage you to surrender to it. I almost called the message surrender to, surrender to glory. But then I realized Joy's message last week was called surrender to presence. <laughs> it's like, well, I could just tag on. But I want to encourage you to surrender to it. To find that place where we can get past the, the mental blockages and be like, God, if it's you, I need it. I want more, 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 more. I don't care what it looks like. I want to surrender to your presence, surrender to your glory. God, do whatever you want with me. In the book of Numbers, it says, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. All the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. I want to propose to you this morning that this happens through God's people. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Think about this. Christ in you is the hope, the expectation to the world of God's manifest presence. That's what glory means. Christ in you is the hope to the world of them encountering the glory of God. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We are the glory carriers of the earth 
So our job is we enter into his glory and then we carry it out into the earth so that all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Father, we just pray for more. Jesus, we want more, more of you, more of your presence, more glory. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our church. We don't care what it looks like. If it's you, we want more. We want it. We want more of it. So, God, I pray that people would begin to have glory encounters, that people would begin to see your glory. People begin to experience your presence in deeper ways, experience your, your glory and joy, your glory and, and your love wrapping around people. God, we ask for more. <laughs> <laughs>